Welcome to the Board Game Community Show. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and today we've got Ian Moss. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How's Texas? You're, you just moved there because you got a job with Nerdvana Games, right? Uh, yes, yes. It wasn't a requirement of my getting a job with Nerdvana Games, but uh, we did come down and visit for a week and then decided that it was actually a pretty great place. Uh, so we, we moved oh, as of awesome. like a month ago. <laughs> how, how are you adjusting? Uh, it's good. I mean, it is definitely warm. Uh, there's there's some heat factor in. We went to a soccer game uh, with like 4th of July things, and that was all outside. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to be like a, uh, a just sweat everywhere. Uh, but that, no, it was fine. <laughs> nice. Hey, that's not bad then. All right. There's a, there's, there's a breeze. Yeah. The breeze makes a big difference. Do you get burned? Uh, not that I've, not that I've found out yet. Not that I've realized. So oh, good. <laughs> if it is, it's a surprise. Oh, <laughs> well, that's awesome. Where did you move from? Uh, from Northwest Ohio. Uh, oh, it's okay. about like, it was about like an hour from Fort Wayne and an hour from Toledo. It's like this little spot right in the corner of, of top left corner of Ohio. Oh, that's awesome. A bit cooler. Sometimes. There was all of the seasons in Ohio. You get all of them, and sometimes in the same day. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so at least at least Texas is consistent. Trees go through the full life cycle in a day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's wild. And we'll get to board games eventually, but are you, you're married. Do you have kids? I have a partner. We've been together for 13 years now, so it's kind of like, uh, oh, my God. You're common-law married. Yeah. Right? right. Cat just ran to the door. Oh. Uh, <laughs> just at full speed. <laughs> um, but, no, yeah, we yeah basically common-law married without the common-law portion. But, uh, yeah, we also have a five-year-old daughter um, who is great. She's just figuring out that she loves board games also. Yes. That's where I was leading with all of this. Like, I love to hear whether parents of, or, you know, designer parents or even just gamer parents, if they indoctrinate their children into the, into the world of board games. Mm -hmm. She dove in. Like we, we showed her a game at one point and then that's, she has her own stack of games in her closet and she'll always like bring one out and be like, I want to play this. Oh, that is awesome. Or she'll find she'll find ones on our shelves that she really likes. Like she loves Mondrosity because she likes like explaining the mo- how the monster looks. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. I think that'd be a great one for my nephew. I should mm-hmm. get that one. There's I'm gonna jump ahead here because we're on the topic of children, but like you did Teens in Space. You worked on that, right? Yeah, very, very loosely. Very uh, very minimal effort on my part. That was John Gilmore and Doug Lewandowski who did the actual design of the game. But they oh. reached out to a bunch of uh, their friends and other people in the RPG space and asked if people wanted to, uh, get, to contribute a species. So they oh. have all of the species in the game are just are from contribute or like contributed by people in the community, which is great. I thought it was awesome. That is so awesome. I, 
I have, yeah, I've committed, uh, I have a species in there that I, that I created in the whole backstory and everything. It's like a whole one page. I think it's one or two pages per species, but yeah, mine, mine's definitely in there and it was so much fun. What is it? Can you tell us? Uh, so my species, if you look for it in the book is called the Pantheros and they are this sort of ancient race or ancient species that, uh, kind of predates a lot of other species in the universe and used to be worshiped by other species as like these gods. Um, but that was a long time ago and now they're kind of on the run because they've found out through scientific discovery and everything that they can, they're basically immortal and they can power giant ships with their energy. So they're kind of hunted. Hmm. So when, if you play as Pantheros or if you have them in your campaign, it's usually because they're in hiding and trying not to be exposed (laughs) and captured. That's awesome. I love the sound of that. Do you play any TCRPGs with your daughter? Um, not yet. We've, (laughs) we've gotten, there's, there's like a list of them that I wanted to definitely try out. There was my friend banana Chan had worked on one called the questlings RPG. That was to like to go together with, uh, like a series of books that they were working on. And they said that that one is for younger players. And so that was one that I'm anxiously waiting for, because I think that might be her first that we try out. Very awesome. Uh, yeah, that one looked like a very, like, young, uh, like, good for both young, new players as well as experienced people. Mm-hmm. So that should be fun. And then I might end up just making some rules so that she can play Bunkers and Badasses when we play. But, you know, that's just that's just for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. <laughs> Before we dive into that, let's go back to what I normally do at the beginning of an episode. What got you into board games and tabletop RPGs? Um, and which one happened first? Uh, RPGs definitely happened first, oh. actually, which is strange because it went from RPG to board game back to RPG. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of, there was a, it was a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so when I first heard of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, my partner's father is the one that runs all of her games that she plays in. And I got invited to be a part of a game. So my technically father-in-law was the first uh, dungeon master. <laughs> That's in, awesome. in, a, in a game that I ever ran, yeah. How old were you? Maybe 21, 22. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a little late for me to actually pick up RPGs. Like I'd been around them, oh. but I'd never actually played. There's no gatekeeping in the TTRPG world, right? Any no, age is welcome. Yeah, <laughs> but like immediately, I was hooked, and my friends uh, apparently also were hooked at that similar time with other RPGs because from there, like within that year, I had played. Dungeons and Dragons, Mutants and Masterminds, Scion, uh, Dark Heresy, like all within that year, I was playing like six or seven different RPGs <laughs> and trying to run like once every month or once every two month games of each of them. Oh man, that is quite the undertaking. Yeah. Were you generally the GM or a player? 
I was usually a player. I didn't run games until probably a few years later when I started being like, you know what? No one ever runs Pathfinder. I'll be the Pathfinder guy. Mm. Nice. (laughs) And then when did board games come into play? Board games, I'd always kind of been around. Like I would played Ascension, like probably back when it came out, but I wasn't like, oh, this is a board game. And there's a bunch of them that are like these. I just saw Ascension. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of like magic, but not really because I'd play Magic the Gathering. <laughs> so I was like, this kind of like magic because those are the people that are playing it were my friends who also played Magic the Gathering. And I was like, but it's just kind of like I didn't get to build a deck, which is weird, which is now I'm like, if I have to build a deck in anything, I'm like, no, thank you. Uh, I don't have time. <laughs> but then uh, I guess it was probably the tabletop show that geek and sundry did with will wheaton where i started watching and i started being like oh that's a that's that looks fun i should buy that and i'd buy the game and play it and be like that was fun what else do they have (laughs) (laughs) that's very similar to me my wife used to like anytime she would fall asleep or uh or just be away going to the bathroom or something i'd pull up some geek and sundry and start watching the will wheaton one and and yeah, I ended up buying like games as gifts for people and, and buying mm-hmm. games for ourselves. So totally relate to that. It's such a good one. I miss it so much. Yeah. No, I we when we moved, we had to obviously pack up all the games and stuff. And I found quite a few games that I remember buying because of tabletop. Uh, I think zombie dice I had, and it was in such poor condition. I had to like duct tape the bottom of the, the container. Cause it's just just like a cup with two plastic things on the ends. So it's well loved. Yeah, it was, it was played. It was well played. Well loved. That is awesome. Becca does a great job. She, she's kind of the replacement of will, right? Right. The, the evolution of will. (laughs) Yeah. So I really enjoy watching her too. And there's quite a few times I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to play that. She makes things look good. I was, I was ecstatic when I heard that Wonderland's war was going to be featured on (gasps) uh, game, the game. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that is really exciting. And I mean, while you, since you brought it up, Wonderland's well, Wonderland's war is a game that you worked on and is coming out soonish. Yep. Soonish. It's in full production. They're trying to, uh, not give days currently because of how volatile everything is on on that side of the, of the market so that they don't say a day and then get it wrong and then have to come back and, you know, so they're optimistic about certain, about a time, but they're not necessarily publicly saying an actual date just to make sure that they don't have to retract that later. Cause that's always a, <laughs> you always feel like, uh, I'm sorry. I, di- I didn't know that I lied, but it turned out that I lied. <laughs> yeah. And people aren't very understanding that it's like, it's not our fault. It's like they're having problems over there, not necessarily even their fault because their problems stem from this. And you know, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's a chain of, of delays yeah. So but the the one thing I always trust James Hudson to do is to make a quality product. So I have no doubt that the game that is in production now and is is going to be coming over on the boats is going to be the best version of Wonderland's War that there could possibly be. Oh, for sure. 
And I love the theme of this. Like you've got those Wonderland characters. Uh, well, why don't you describe it? I'm in a slaughter. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Wonderland's War asked a very important question, and that is, what if you were losing the madness from Wonderland? How would all of the characters react? And it turns out that they will go to war with each other. <laughs> Uh, for a variety of reasons. Alice wants to restore Wonderland to the way that it was. Um, The Red Queen always wants to take over Wonderland. She never doesn't. So this is just like her being like, I'm going to capitalize on this. This is my time. Um, The Mad Hatter is just very annoyed that no one wants to hang out at his tea party and be silly anymore. So he wants to return to the silly ways of the past. And the Jabberwock definitely is real and wants everyone to know that he's real because everyone (laughs) kind of just believed that he was a, a fairy tale, uh, kind of a myth, but he's definitely real and he's here to prove it. That's awesome. Cheshire wants what the Cheshire always wants, which is whatever is whatever the Cheshire wants at that moment. You can't ever really tell what the Cheshire wants. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That feels very thematic. If there's if you haven't played, um, it's an area control game where you have uh, a tea party. Obvi- you obviously have a tea party before you go and have your battles <laughs> in the war. So you're sort of gathering your forces during the tea party and going around and collecting these cards, which will have you drafting chips that'll be added to your to your bag, as well as putting troops out onto the board and gathering wonderlandians denizens of wonderland that you can uh then take into battle with you and then the second half or the second part of the game each round is a area control kind of battling game where the battles are determined through bag building so you've you've built up your bag full of all of these powerful artifacts and relics and mustered your forces and now you pull and you're basically in in a war against everyone else trying to get the most strength in each battle uh without busting uh which is bad (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool i like the mix of those mechanics the mechanics themselves feel like it's the feel very wonderland because if if you were to have this sort of game with any other theme i don't think that the mechanics would work as well. But because it is this theme and because we leaned into it, the mechanics work so perfectly with what it is that you're actually doing in the game uh, that I think it was meant to be. <laughs> is there Was there a certain challenge that came up while designing it? Yes, uh, there was. So there, uh, there was multiple versions of this game. And the mechanics being so well married to it did not necessarily happen on the first or second or third go. <laughs> um, so there, there was a lot of testing and development and time spent on previous versions. And then slowly and surely we decided we leaned into more of what, what Wonderland wanted us to make the game. Uh, if it's, it's a, if it's a force all its own, Um, (laughs) Wonderland pushed us into the direction that we ended up going, which was a drafting tea party game with bag building and area control. uh... Nice. That is awesome. I love the evolution of games. I think it's so cool Mm -hmm. to see how they, they just grow. I'm a very amateur board game designer and 
and it's it's always funny how like you start with an idea and it's almost unrecognizable by the end so many times oh, always <laughs> yeah <laughs> well look for that look for wonderland's war coming out eventually <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um all right we'll dive back to board well uh so you guys you got into board games and then back into tabletop rpgs right yeah so i had i had worked on uh a few board games and i had contributed to a few rpgs uh the original kids on bikes i did a module um which was about living in the outskirts of a city feeling like its own like contained small town mm-hmm. um, because that's how when i lived in tulsa oklahoma everyone's like oh you live in a big city and i was like yeah but i lived like in the outskirts of a big city which if you don't have a car you're kind of just your your city is where you can get to on your bike basically um, so I thought that was a fun avenue that I didn't think many others would be pursuing when they were making their modules. So I decided that would be mine. Nice. Um, and it has a, yeah, it has a lot of fun little moments in it. And then obviously I worked on the teens in space. I contributed a species to that one. Um, and then I also got the chance to work on a module for North sea epilogues, which is like the, uh, blank of the North sea trilogy RPG that they made, uh, which was fantastic. I, that was kind of a, a dream cause I love that series so much. And I always love, uh, what the Miko does with art on those games. And so just imagining my module having art by the Miko was, was like a dream just to be, just to be involved with that. So it's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And I always kind of approach things in different ways than I think uh, a lot of other designers. So when uh, John Gilmore, who contributed with me on that module, he when he was talking about like what we could do because it was Viking themed, and neither of us were that uh, well versed in you know Viking history or anything like that to do like a super historical thing, and that's not really our, was never really our style anyway. Um, we decided to go with something a little bit more fun on like the fun end of, <laughs> of, of Vikings and their things. So if you've ever seen a, a show that I think is on Netflix now, that's called Norseman or Eric, the Viking, the, the, <laughs> the older show, um, we went more along the lines of that, which is kind of like Viking culture as like a parody of like like the office or parks and rec right like it's sort oh. of uh, <laughs> <laughs> like mockumentary style yeah that's awesome so our module is called uh midwinter outpost blues and it's all about the fact that your yarl uh is like deposed and the new interim yarl whose name is carl because obviously, <laughs> of course, uh, sends sends his most loyal uh, warriors to this outpost in the middle of nowhere, and wants them to like do meaning, you know, uh, meaningless tasks to to live out their days. Because if they were around, then they would mess up his his rule over the rest of the 
of the clan. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. <laughs> and it turned out to be very different from what everyone else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounds like you really like kind of putting some sort of some comedy into what you do. Yeah. I loved, uh, I love all things like action comedy. Like that's what I always kind of, that's what my writing style ends up being is like, I can't help but interject if like a moment's getting too serious and it's just like, but also (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That, that was a future question I had because obviously with bunkers and badasses and borderlands, huge, huge fan of, of both. Now I've only played (laughs) the demo of bunkers and badasses, but I'm already in love with it. But like you captured so many of the characters voices, the feel of the, of the characters and the borderlands, humor and everything it just felt very natural it felt like it was written by a a writer for the series interesting fact uh it was oh really yeah so um i was in charge of all of the game design and stuff and kind of of you know the tone like getting getting the mechanics to to work right and kind of figuring out what the writing needed to be and then we got anthony birch who famously wrote and created tiny tina yeah in borderlands 2 and so he was the one who did uh the writing for all of bunkers and badasses not just that intro adventure so that is that is the voices but um it was it was amazing to work with him and and just on the project in general, uh, just because you could kind of see, like I I I could I could write in that voice, and then he would come through and be like, "Yeah, this is great. I'm not going to change anything of that." And then go over a whole other section and be like, "I'm going to add a bunch to this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That must have been quite the experience. Because uh, I liked his YouTube show, and now I can't even remember what it was called. But him and Ashley did a YouTube show. Uh, Hey, Ash, what you playing? That's it. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I admire that guy and Ashley too. I think they're both just hilarious. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. So you, I I should have looked through that because I have the little demo right here on my desk and it totally has the credits for who did what. (laughs) I remember (laughs) reading that Anthony Birch was a writer and I was like, Oh, that makes sense. But yeah. But that was a couple months ago while we were playing it. So right. <laughs> totally spaced it. But how was it designing this game? Uh, it was um, it was amazing. It was exactly they let me be exactly as weird as I already am. And yes. <laughs> they let the game be as weird as I hoped that it could be. Um, which was which was great. Like they I mean, obviously, Gearbox understands what Borderlands is. And they understand what Bunkers and Badasses was meant to be when it was created. And so coming in and being able to put like actual mechanics to what I, you know, my assumptions for what the game was and then to bring it to them and have them say like, yes, this is exactly what we thought. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. I mean, playing it, it, that's how it felt. It felt very natural. You know, I uh, I hadn't played a lot of D&D or other TTRPGs, uh, but once they announced Bunkers and Badasses, I was like, well, 
I need to start playing those <laughs> others training. Like <laughs> I need yeah. to train for this. And, uh, and I liked some of the similarities, but also it was like a little bit of a hurdle because I had in my mind what TTRPGs were and there were things that were different. And I thought it fit better tonally for Borderlands, but it was just an adjustment because like, Oh, I didn't know they were different, you know? Right. So I think that you get this really cool opportunity of introducing TTRPGs to a whole huge audience. No pressure, right? <laughs> right. No, no, none at all. That wasn't the main consideration we had throughout the entire process. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine because I've had friends that like don't even really play board games much, uh, let alone TTRPGs and they're like, oh, I definitely want to play this. Oh, I'm going to get it. And they've pre-ordered it and mm-hmm. they're all excited. And I'm like, why? You don't even like, you haven't experienced these other things. I think it's awesome. You should do this. But like, <laughs> how do you know you'll like it? <laughs> yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, that was one of the the main design challenges was making sure that this could be someone's first tabletop RPG experience and that they could jump into it as quickly as you would jump into a board game and just learn the rules and go for it, which the, the preview section that we had sent out for everyone, the, uh, Marx's quest for the wizard's wand was, is specifically meant to be that it's supposed to be like a video game tutorial, but in tabletop RPG form. So it's it holds your hand a little bit more than what you would see in a normal RPG. But the reason it does so is so that you learn the rules and then you learn why you can just break half of them or throw them out the window if you really wanted to. <laughs> it's like it teaches the bunker master how to be the bunker master, which includes teaching the bunker master when they should break the rules. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I really appreciated because that was like, my third time ever being a GM. Uh, and oh, wow. You did, you did great. That was, that was so fun to listen to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Obviously, there's a bit of editing because I did do a lot. I, I, I Now I can't remember what I took out, but I'm pretty sure I took out some of the tutorial stuff and just I, I wanted to save things for people that wanted mm-hmm. to get the game. Um, but I did love that. And that's how I described it to my friends. I was like, no, like a lot of this stuff is like the tutorial part of a video game, you know, like, so it, you don't even really need to read the rules much before you just get started and it explains things to both sides. And I thought that was so cool. So bravo. Yeah. yeah and there was, there's people who, whose only experience of it would be from either like, you know, listening to the episodes of it that you had put out or like watching the IGN playthrough and being like, well, I don't really want to play through that because I've already seen all of it. Like the IGN playthrough was like two hours. Yeah. And uh, it, which a, that was awesome to have Morgan Webb and characters or act voice actors from Borderlands. I, play. Know. <laughs> like, I was like, Oh my God, it's so cool. Um, but also like there's about like, I would say probably four hours of content in the wizard's wand, at least in the number of times we play tested, that's usually what it ends up at. Uh-huh. And so their two hour experience, they, they glossed over a lot of stuff. So there's still some secrets hiding out there that if, if you want to try it out, I would say try it out now. 
um, there is still things to discover, even if you've watched IGN play through it, <laughs> or even your group, because your group did uh, a lot of different things than what I assumed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They made yeah. choices. <laughs> they made choices. Oh my gosh. I feel like as a GM, you just, a BM in this, uh, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> it's so hard because like I put so much planning into it. And then I've got to learn to like, let it go. That's been my biggest uh, like learning experience playing it. There were several things where they asked a question and I was like, well, I don't know. It didn't say in there. And I was just like, well, so just make it up. Like, right. You're the, you're the game master. You, you're God. You created this world type thing. I didn't create it, but (laughs) I'm in charge of it now. (laughs) It's been, it's been left in your hands, your capable hands. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah, go off book and just make up some weird reason or just, you know, just go with the flow. So I'm glad we got to play that and and do it. Because, I, I mean, as I said at the end of it, we're doing a whole podcast dedicated to the game. Which that's that's a first for me. That's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another that's another trophy unlocked. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> have an entire podcast dedicated to one of your works. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a hidden trophy. It's something I didn't even know that was uh, an option. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm gonna have to tell Phil who was who played on there um, that you worked on Kids on Bikes with uh, the the module because uh, he does on his podcast organized fun. They play kids on bikes as kind of like a, an ongoing story. It's been going mm-hmm. for like a year or so. Um, oh, that's awesome. It's really fun. But yeah, I think John's John's mentioned that there's uh, there's, he has a, there's a couple, uh, I would say uh, a couple, there's more than a couple, but podcasts for kids on bikes. And yeah. He's, yeah. I am sure that there will be plenty of B and B ones uh, once it releases. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hoping to be the first right out the gate. I've been writing for it, and and then I've written so far into it, and I'm like, okay, now I need to stop because I guarantee that the majority of this stuff isn't going to make it in. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to go left immediately, and I'm going to have to <laughs> <laughs> completely wing it. <laughs> yeah. But I am excited about what you've done on there and and even just reading about uh, kind of what's coming, I guess. Uh, you, you've you said like there's little cheats in there that, that'll that help you make it up as you go or, or mm-hmm. make it seem like you know what you're doing. Yeah, one of, the, one of the main things, one of the other main design goals was like for loot generation um, because... Bunkers and Badasses and by extension Borderlands is very much a looter shooter. Mm-hmm. And so you need the loot after you get done with the shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I wanted to make it very easy for uh, a bunker master to generate weapons or items or whatever it is on the fly. So boiling all of the like, 25 stat blocks or whatever that each weapon could possibly have and all the different permutations and stuff down to, I think like three or four dice rolls um, was a, a large task that I'm glad that I did 
Um, but I'm glad I will not have to do in the future uh, because I, <laughs> it, it was a lot of work to figure out how to make it as easy as possible, but I'm so glad that we, we took the time and effort to do it because you as the BM, if you have, you know, the, your, your own screen or the, you know, the included screen, if you got the deluxe edition, then it's all just right there and it walks you through it and you could just generate weapons. Like you had them before the game even started. Uh, <laughs> as far as awesome. your, as far as your players are concerned, yeah, I didn't know that because that wasn't in the the demo quest, right? I knew you could make weapons, but I didn't know how. Yeah, we wanted to make sure that if you're if you just want to get it, we we take that pressure out, and so it's there's just included weapons for the three adventures. So if you want nothing more than to just open the book and start going you can just do that and you won't have to stop unless you want to. But we also include in, in the deluxe, there are a, I think 30 or 40 blank cards, probably more. I, it's, it's probably ended up being more. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of blank cards to just create your own weapons and stuff. And obviously we're going to have a, a thing online where you can like download the P, you know, blank weapon cards. Right, so that you can keep making more because you know yeah. people are going to want to make more than 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Uh, I do remember seeing that it came with so many blank cards, which so I knew there was a way to at least make weapons, but I thought it was more of a like, oh, you have to be familiar with it and then make them um, just like in D&D. Like, right, or the balances and the power levels. And nope, we I yeah. worked all that out. <laughs> yeah, that is so incredible. Oh, that's exciting. What was the biggest challenge, do you think? Man, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think in addition to kind of the stuff I'd already talked about, like making it beginner friendly and also, you know, making sure that there were enough tools for the BM to use uh to to make it run smoothly, because that's also a, a tenet in being beginner friendly, is that you can run it without having to stop every 10 minutes and check back into the book for something. Right. You Um, want your BM to feel smooth. mm -hmm. (laughs) Always. (laughs) Sorry. Had to jump in there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of one of, yeah, one of the other hardest parts was to make sure that it felt a little bit like, you know, the games, the TT, the tabletop RPGs that it was based on but didn't have, wasn't bogged down by some of the rules of other tabletop RPGs. It's not, this is a 270 page source book. Um, but I believe like 95 pages is the rules and the rest is just adventures to go on. Uh, so making it not as crunchy as some of the other RPGs, which again, a lot of times, the amount of stuff you need to learn for an RPG is very dependent on what role you're playing. So right. if you're the player, you really only need to know the player stuff. If you're the bunker master, you really only need to know the bunker master stuff. But in, in this one, you it's 90 pages. So if you want to go through all of it and learn the whole system, whether you're the player or the bunker master, that's it's easier. <laughs> yeah. That sounds overwhelming to someone who might not be into TTRPGs, but when I took on learning D&D so that I could play B&B, 
it was <laughs> quite the undertaking. And it was really yeah. exciting stuff, but like it was way more than 90 pages, you know? And one of the things too is uh, one of the corners that we kind of cut to, to, you know, smooth out the whole experience and everything is the, the way that you, sh- you, you'd fire weapons. So when you, mm. when you fire a weapon, you roll your accuracy and then plus any bonuses or whatever. And then there's like three ranges that tell you how many hits you get. Um, there's no stop. There's no breaks in between to be like, did I hit the bad guy with this bullet barrage that I have sent towards him? <laughs> and they have to be like, well, what is it specifically and stuff? So we removed that check point from it. And it's just sort of like, I roll a d20 and then I roll my damage and it, it, it keeps it going. It keeps it faster. And there's always the sense of progress. Even if it's just, I did three damage, three damage is still progress. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It helped, it helped combat not feel, I don't know, like tedious. It felt Mm -hmm. like it was, there was always action happening and it wasn't like, okay, well I've missed like three times in a row or I've, you know, it was just, it would it could feel very redundant. Like I've had that happen in D and D, right? Combat's not always my favorite. <laughs> if if there is a game where rolling dice well is a requirement, I am going to be statistically bad at that game. <laughs> exactly. So I think you guys combated that very well. So <laughs> bravo. <laughs> I assume that there was a version where it wasn't that way. No. Oh, really? Actually, that was, there was, uh, I had written down in like my starter notes when I very first got approached about the project and what it could be. And if I had, I wrote down my issues with similar tabletop games. And then I wrote that, then that was my like list of things to avoid. Nice. Um, and that was one of them was like the, the feeling of like no progress in combat. Like things should always be progressing forward, whether that's in like mechanically as in you do damage to the thing and it has less hit points or story wise in which you've moved the story forward with your actions. Well played, friend. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got eight classes in the game, right? Or is there 10? Um, there are nine classes, but 10 skill trees. Oh, OK. Because there's there's two different kinds of sirens. Are are we allowed to talk about this? Yeah, yeah. There, these are. I think these are known things. Okay. Um, I know. Yeah, I read that there's character skill trees for characters from one and two. Yep, that is all. All of your favorites from one and two. But since there's multiple sirens, we decided to keep the one siren class, but give them two very different skill trees. Um, and it's not just the skill trees that are different; they're actual like base stats and based like what their what weapons they like what their melee die is and stuff is different depending on which siren you choose is there anything that's kind of like make your own class even beyond that like if i wanted to go and make the siren from three amara would i be able to do that with what's in there or do i have to wait for an expansion (laughs) (laughs) uh no i i have no news on expansion stuff at this time but it would be (laughs) awesome if stuff like that did exist i as far as what's in there now you 
there's all of the framework for the classes is is there. There's not like hidden numbers or hidden balances or anything that's going on okay. behind the scenes. So if you look over the classes and look over the skill trees, and if you um, want to make your own, it shouldn't be a monumental task to make that happen. Uh, we do have a thing where you can get a second archetype which is not part of your class, but it's kind of like you have your class and then you have your archetype and your archetype is just sort of like how you would play this specific class. And like the combination of those two factors make up your character for the most part. Oh, cool. Um, And so having multiple of those for people who are used to like multi-classing in other RPGs uh, is always (laughs) is in there for people who want that. Yeah, that's really neat. I, I mean, we could just go on about. I, we could have started on this B and B and ended <laughs> with it, but we'll we'll stick on it for a while, probably. Um, <laughs> what class do you prefer to play as? I was always soldier originally, but I went back through and uh, started playing for research. Uh, obviously, <laughs> just specifically research, nothing. You know, not because the games are fantastic and I love playing them <laughs> and I've played them for 10 plus years and it, <laughs> it was weird. So when I, when I, uh, when I basically got the opportunity to do it, I, I told, I said, I was like, I feel like I've accidentally been training for this my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you had already been playing the games. I loved the original Borderlands. I played it so much. Like my friend, uh, I would always go over to my friend's house and we would just stay up and play it for like the entire, like I'd go over to his house for a weekend and just play it like start to finish. Oh, nice. Uh, Multiple times we did this. Like I played every class. Uh, I Roland was my favorite from the original. And then I got to the new one and then I switched to Gunzerker because I was like, I want to dual wield guns. And then I, now that I have, you know, the, the version with everything, cause I didn't at the, the time when I originally played it, uh, in the first game, I, I, I go siren cause Lilith is still the best. And the, Lilith is now my favorite in the first game. Oh, nice. I think her, her abilities are so much fun in combat, uh, especially in co-op where you can just, um, and L- Lilith plus Roland, I think is the, is, is my combo is my favorite combo from the first game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the second one, uh, I still go Gunzerker because I think it's just so much fun to just be like, and another one. <laughs> and <you> just... <laughs> I'll take that second gun. <laughs> I remember playing, oh man, the first one I think I got, I was stuck playing Brick because I usually let my friends choose first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so everyone else had been chosen. So I was like, well, I guess I'm Brick. <laughs> which was cool. It was really, really fun. I'm interested to see how that'll play in the, in B and B that should be interesting. Was it, there wasn't one in the demo, right? Uh, you have the assassin with, uh, possibly a name with a number in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if that's how you, if that's how you named your character. Yeah. But, uh, the assassin does have the, I think it was the sword of legend, uh, oh, is what right. we called it. And so they get a bonus to melee, but, um, they're not necessarily melee focused. They're kind of a contradiction in themselves because they're, their favorite weapon is the sniper rifle and they have a melee weapon. Yeah. That's, just a, <laughs> that, that's a, don't get too close to me kind of thing. 
Yeah. Hey, our assassin used both the sword and the, yeah. the sniper, which was really entertaining. <laughs> I loved it. And I, I should interject right here with, uh, only one person had played Borderlands before playing this. Well, me and my friend Matt, who Matt's the quietest one there. He's a very shy <laughs> fella. <laughs> but he also like would try and keep his mouth shut because he's like, well, I know Hyperion's a bad guy and, you know, like, or Lord Hyperius. Right. And I know this stuff and that stuff from the series, you know, like, I don't want to kill Marcus, but if they want to, then like, <laughs> yeah, I should let them try to kill him or what, you know, like. Not that any of this happened if you've listened to it or anything. Just Right, right. <laughs> you know, you let those, you've got those attachments already from playing, but then three of our other players have no attachments, know nothing about the game, and absolutely loved it. Well, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know Borderlands, you could still fall in love with this game. The other thing, too, we added, uh, we had to add some text for players because uh, quite a few groups uh found marcus to be uh a little adversarial yeah (laughs) (laughs) which i don't know if it's just if it's how we wrote him or if it's just uh my marcus impression that rubs people the (laughs) wrong way but they there's quite a few groups were like well what do we do if someone wants to shoot marcus do we like (laughs) That was a question we had to answer because that came up quite a few times in playtesting. Yeah. Well, and discover for yourself is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I think you handled it really well. So I, I want to say what I did, but in case people haven't listened to it, I won't. Or if they want to play it, I, I don't want to spoil anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was just interesting hearing people unfamiliar with the game or, yeah, with the series, how they reacted to certain characters. Yeah. Um, as somebody who played the games, I felt like everybody felt true to character. Like Marcus does come off that way in this series too, you know, like mm-hmm. that's how he is. He's he's all about that almighty dollar, but you love him. But then yeah, you you put him next to Claptrap and you're just like, "Oh, Claptrap's the worst. I get it." <laughs> exactly. And I can't kill Claptrap. <laughs> <laughs> or or can you? I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> go play the pre-sequel and you can jump off cliffs as claptrap yeah. <laughs> or in one you play the revolution i forget what it was called but claptrap revolution yeah, it's robot revolution that's it yeah let's um i'm gonna see if i've got any more questions we've been going way out of order from what i wrote but that's fine <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm here to derail. I Well, <laughs> I am not well-structured anyways, which is why I always do like a very casual thing. I'm sure there's things at the beginning that we started talking about, and then we just moved on to something else before finishing talking about it. That's probably. That's, yeah, that, sounds, that sounds like me. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we need a just, third person to like monitor this and be like, hey, go back to this. <laughs> This is just practice for your being a bunker master again, so that you're <laughs> used to getting everything derailed. Exactly. <laughs> oh, um, I guess I did have one other thing with uh, like research. What other were there other TTRPGs that you drew from? 
There were ones that I, yeah, I thought that I was going to be like, oh, yeah, this would be cool if this is how this works. Or this would be cool if, if we use the system kind of like this. Uh, a strange inspiration was probably uh, Blades in the Dark, if you've ever played that one. Uh-uh. One of my all-time favorites. And it's because the the way that they handle, I mean, literally everything in the game is just meant to get you directly into the action and not waste time. So the way the thing that happens is there's like a little bit of pre-planning. You're, you're basically going to go on a heist of some sort. And there's a little bit of pre-planning. And you basically talk about like, well, I'm going to go to do, do this to research. I'm going to go do this to research. And everyone does like one activity. And then everyone, and then you're in the heist. Um, and that's it. That's the whole setup. You are just, they just throw you into the heist and you're right in the middle of it. And if anything happens where you could have reasonably been like, well, I think I would have known that something like this could happen. So I think I set something up beforehand and they have these things called flashbacks where if you do something like that, you could say, I think I would have done that. And then you make a role and it determines how well the thing, the plan that you set up beforehand worked out for you now. (laughs) So in uh, one of the games that we played, my friend was leading this guard who might've been onto him away uh, from the rest of us and uh, trying to get away from him. He's like, well, I probably, you know, if I was in the building before, I probably set up a trap or something in one of the rooms. So I'm going to go to that room. And so he does a flashback roll and he succeeds and he goes into the room and then the guard goes into the room and the guard immediately gets hit with like a tranquilizer dart that he had set up from this gun to like fire when someone crossed through or whatever. Um, and all of that was just one roll in the middle of the game. Oh, Wow which is great. Like it's, it's right in the middle of the action. It just keeps you going forward, but also makes you like think creatively backwards. Like there's no scenario in which uh, you can't kind of think your way out of, which I always loved. Yeah. One of the things that they have are these like progress clocks, in which case, like when you do a flashback thing, or if you want to get a better chance of success on a roll, you can do like a devil's bargain or whenever you fail a roll, the game, the person running the game will get to increase this progress clock. And once the clock fills up, then that's it. Then whatever it was that you, that the, the game master has set up is now going to go off. Um, whether the guards recognize you now, or, you know, someone at the party comes up to you and knows who you are, or that kind of thing, um, whatever it is that happens. And it's based on when a player fails or, if a player like wants to do something super crazy, then the the game master can be like, well, I'll let you do that if you let me fill in one of my things on a clock. <laughs> oh. So okay. if you play Bunkers and Badasses, you might see kind of a remnant of that that back and forth in Badass Tokens or Mayhem. Sorry, they're called Mayhem. <laughs> yeah. Badass Tokens are for the players. Yeah. I think Um, I mixed up calling them each other too, (laughs) but I love the mayhem token thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's like three or four things you can do on your turn in combat um, as a player, but there's like a list of like six other things you could possibly do on your turn at the cost of giving the bunker master a mayhem point, which the bunker master is always supposed to be, you know, being like, Oh, do you want to do this? You can do this also. You can get an extra attack in right now if you want. Oh, you want to get all the way over there? You can move again. <laughs> but at the cost, you give me a mayhem point. 
And then you get to use those mayhem points to cause mayhem. Yeah, to make the game just a little bit tougher. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see which groups are just uh, allergic to mayhem in all its forms <laughs> and will do nothing that ever generates a mayhem on purpose. And which groups are like, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll be okay. Yeah. I think one person was like, yeah, like I'll do a mayhem point. I'll give you a mayhem point so that I can do this. It seems worth it. And then the rest of my mayhem points had to come from like failed accuracy rolls. Yeah. Yeah. Critical fails. (laughs) It was like, oh, I would have loved to play with them more. And one of the mayhem points put someone like down to four health in the end, which was, Mm -hmm. that was like the biggest hit that anyone had suffered and, and made for the final fight a lot more, made it a lot more exciting. uh, Yeah. Because there were stakes. Well, Oh, you know, that brings up something else is spoiler alert. You've got, uh, you do have fast travel. You've got respawn stations, essentially respawn cauldrons mm-hmm. and the, the, the brew, the brew you. Yeah. The brew you, which I loved. That was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of patting ourselves on the back for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, it was just so perfect because it fits the whole Borderlands theme. But did you ever feel like you shouldn't do that? Do you worry about creating, like taking away the stakes of, of death or anything like that? Or there, there's a section in the rules about like, there's, there's different types of trauma. I will, I will say there is the more temporary trauma for your, uh, your, your run of the mill deaths. Like you, uh, a room explodes uh, and everyone in it dies or you fight a fart monster or something like, you know, just, these are just examples and not things that happen. Um, <laughs> right. Right. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then there are ones where let's say that the main boss uh, kills you or something very, you, you do something very, self-detrimental you're just like i'm just gonna do this because death doesn't matter well in those cases there are things that are called like permanent traumas oh. um, and permanent traumas allow you to i mean they'll stay with you they're permanent as the name suggests and so there is sort of yes you do respawn right it's not that big of an inconvenience you lose some money and you get a trauma but depending on how severe the death was you could get permanent traumas and enough of those would probably make a character reconsider being a vault hunter, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I was, as I prep to make this podcast, uh, I was trying to decide how to make the stakes feel a little higher. Mm-hmm. And so that helps. That helps me know I don't need to necessarily worry about that as much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we had tested versions that had respawn and also fight for your life because that's a big part of the Borderlands games is if you get downed, you have like a, a window where if you kill something, you get back up, you get a second wind. Yeah. Um, and we had tested both of them and we had found that the fight for your life because of the way the RPGs work. Sometimes you're fighting a a boss and so killing it is not very easy and you cannot be done in the right amount of time. Um, And it kind of prioritized the wrong 
things when you're in combat, which is like, oh, I'm down. Someone else is going to run over here and spend their whole action moving to me and then picking me back up. So in like those turn-based RPGs, you have like, oh, I'm going to go get them up, and then I get hit. Now I'm down. You got to pick me back up. And I was like, no, we always want to move forward. We want to keep it going. Yeah. And so we decided instead of fight for your life to just have the brew you stations, the the respawn, um, but with traumas. So you come back, but they're not always the best machines. So something usually goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> And sometimes they're just funny things, and sometimes they're they hurt you a little bit. Yeah, we all enjoyed those. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move out of board games entirely. What do you do outside of board games for fun, or just in general? Outside of board games, sorry, I just looked to my right and I can see literally all of my board games. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Like, mm. <laughs> I think uh, about board games. I, right. <laughs> uh, no, I I watch a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. That's that's kind of always been my like number one hobby. Is always like film and TV. Because uh, I feel like there's so many great stories, and a lot of the stories and stuff, and the like, my adaptations of them are based off of snippets or whatever from other TV shows or movies or books or comics or stuff like that. Like the, like Wonderland's war, the actual, there's a narrative to it. Um, we did this narrative reveal system during the Kickstarter. So every day there was like a new, uh, piece of narrative to go along with something that we revealed from the game. And, uh, I kind of created like the story structure for that and the overall arcing story of Wonderland's war in general. And it's kind of based on the Neil Gaiman book, American gods. If you've, if you've ever read that or seen the show, seen the Um, show a little bit. Yeah. The show hasn't gotten to the thing, so I don't want to spoil it for anyone who would, um, but there's there's a lot of reasons for people to want to have conflict. And so the character who ends up being behind it all is not necessarily who you think. And it's also not necessarily for the reasons you would think. And so I use like the snippets of that idea to kind of create this mold for characters of Wonderland's War because it also seemed like it matched for them. Like they're they're kind of like these myths and legends in their own world where everyone has heard stories about the Cheshire cat. They've heard stories about the Jabberwock, you know? Yeah. People have heard of Alice before even meeting her. Um, and look how your other hobby outside of board games and TTRPGs <laughs> lends itself to, <laughs> to yeah. board games. <laughs> it all comes back. I can't help it. It all comes back. Yeah, for sure. Well, do you have some favorite shows or movies? I'm a big TV guy. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched both seasons of Warrior recently, and that show is fantastic. It's based on the writings of Bruce Lee, and oh. it's taken like 50 or 60 years to finally make it into a TV show that does it justice, and it does do it justice. That's cool. I might have to check that out. It's on HBO Max. They just uh, Cinemax no longer exists, and so HBO Max just started broadcasting their old shows. And Which I love. Yeah, and so Warrior had two seasons on Cinemax, and now HBO Max has renewed it for another <gasps> season. Oh, that's awesome! So they brought it back, and I was like, "Yes, that is really cool." 
Uh, I also love, like, as a designer, I love game shows because they're just like game design in in use in media, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's one that's called The Hustler that I've been watching recently. Um, it is very interesting from like a design perspective, but it's just good TV anyway because it's hosted by Craig Ferguson, who oh, fun. I, I love Craig Ferguson. His his late night show was like the thing that I watched every day for seven years or whatever. Like it was, <laughs> I didn't like the format, but like if you watch Craig Ferguson, you understand that he didn't do the format. That was the whole point. Yeah. But the hustler is five, five contestants uh, sit around and they have to answer these trivia questions to earn points. But the, the trick is, is that, one of the people knows all of the answers to all of the questions because they're the hustler and all of the questions are based on their life. Oh, and so, yeah. So the goal is, is to, by the end of the game to find out who to guess correctly, who the hustler is. And if the two remaining players can do that, then they split the money. If not, then the hustler walks away with all of the money. That is awesome. I love that. It's like a giant social deduction game. Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. I'm going to have to check that out because that sounds rad. Yeah, it's very good. And Craig Ferguson is great. Like the whole show is formatted in a way like he doesn't even know who the hustler is. So he's just out there just as surprised as everyone else. Cool. Uh, what else? What have we got? Video games. I assume you play video games. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Obviously, I'm a big Borderlands fan. Uh, yeah. I what have, system do you play it on? Or uh, PlayStation. Okay. I also have a, a gaming PC, but until recently, that was my work computer. But now it's at home, so that's dangerous. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but no, I've I have a PS5, so I've been oh. getting into the PS5 games. Uh, Returnal is a lot of fun, and I die a lot. That's what I hear for that game. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm doing better. And then I'll enter a room. And they're like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not at all. Oh God, please stop. Stop. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And the new ratchet and clank is fantastic so far. Nice. It does look really good. I guess my hobbies are all the hobbies. All of them. Yeah. That's the problem is that uh, my hobby is every hobby. Like I, I collect comic books. Uh, I read, you know, regular non illustrated books uh <laughs> what do you call them <laughs> books, books. <laughs> what uh i'm a big comic reader what what are some of your favorites uh well one of my favorites that's just sort of like a self-contained story is uh from skybound actually is what uh murder falcon i haven't heard of it it's uh, about a guy who is able to control and power up this murder Falcon through the power of metal music. Oh, nice. (laughs) It is like, I, I've told people to pitch and they're like, yeah, that's probably not something that I'll like, but it has, it's a series with so much heart and like relatability in it that like for a thing called murder Falcon about a murder Falcon, (laughs) Um, it, it surprises you in a lot of ways and I love it for it. That's cool. I'll have to check it out. I'm also a big Batman fan. So I have a, a ton of Batman comics. 
awesome. from the from the various things. I have the full Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, New Fifty Two run. Yeah, that I think that's some of my favorite Batman stuff. There was like that was a thing that was happening online recently was people talking about New Fifty Two and how much of a a, a cluster uh, truck that it was. Yeah, <laughs> behind the scenes, I, I feel like I read that and I. Some people are pretty harsh on it too. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people don't didn't like New Fifty Two, but I thought it was really most of it. I thought it was really good. It kind of like got me back into comics because I was like, oh, it's a number one Batman. Uh, I'll I'll read that. Maybe it's a good jumping off point. And it was like the best jumping off point. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it kind of like reinvigorated my love for comics again. Um, so I'll always have that. But yeah, behind the scenes, apparently it was crazy what was going on. Oh, and I didn't man. read a lot of the different new 52 series. It was kind of just mostly Batman, maybe Nightwing, some flash, like, but again, there was like 52 new series. So that was, <laughs> but a lot of them, well, what I read were good. I loved Nightwing and then into Grayson. Oh, mm-hmm. that was one of my Grayson was probably my favorite thing to come out of all of it. Yeah. And then when, when Scott, uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Pio left, uh, Batman, I was like, well, I guess I'm done reading Batman. Like who, who would ever, <laughs> who would come around that could write stories like, like Scott Snyder. Um, and then Tom King showed up. Yeah. But I was like, Oh God, these are, these are good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, these are also good. I thought I was going to be done. Uh, and I'm not, <laughs> you pulled me back in yeah the the war of jokes and riddles is amazing and it like it's such like a standalone story that you need to not have read any other batman thing to get enjoyment out of it i haven't read that one yet but i've heard so many good things and seen little snippets of it and i'm like that Mm -hmm. looks so good and i want it but for whatever reason i just haven't i've been way into marvel lately and so i have i've been neglecting my dc side for a couple of years <laughs> i went the other way I went, I went heavy dc and i've neglected marvel and so i'm trying to like come back into marvel oh yeah <laughs> let's just exchange books here we go <laughs> <laughs> it'll, work, it'll work out perfectly yeah <laughs> i'm like huge into spider-man so like right now i'm looking at i've got spider-man from like the nineties till now pretty much. Nice. So that's like my main thing. Same with Deadpool, Deadpool and Spider-Man are what got me into comics. Yeah. Anyways. So you do painting, rock collecting, uh, uh, <laughs> all the hobbies, right? Yeah. Just all, all of that. Got my tum- my rock tumbler going as, as we speak. <laughs> can you so hear it be, in the background there'll be dice eventually i i think is that how that works <laughs> hey yeah <laughs> i saw a hundred sided dice at my brother's and it felt just like a ball pretty much but it was incredible how you would roll it and it's like yeah a side does definitely come up right so yeah those are those are crazy yeah the uh the badass d20 from Bunkers of badasses yeah is it is bigger than I thought it was going to be. That is that's going to make a sound when you roll it. Ooh, I'm excited. Like I saw it in pictures, obviously. But I yeah, when I came down for the week to visit, I got to actually like see the production or the pre-production copy <gasps> and and actually hold the the badass D20. And it's it's bigger. It's like three or four times bigger than oh my I gosh. thought it was going to be. <laughs> that is really cool. 
you know, looking at pictures on the, the website, I kind of just assumed it was about the same size or maybe oh. like slightly bigger, but no, they, they went for it. This deluxe edition. If you, if you haven't, if you, if you're, if you're thinking about it, I would, I would totally go for it. Cause I was very surprised that all of that is like $120 or it was a hundred dollars yeah. only the first couple months, but yeah, that's what I, I, um, pre-ordered it like minute one (laughs) yeah there was so much stuff yeah i can't can't wait to like play with that version i'm always i'm i'm such like a like i I prototype all the time so i have like a dozen prototype versions of any project that i work on and all like every time when there starts being art i just want an art version like I want a version of the thing that has the art on it because I just want to play with that version. Yeah. <laughs> so I cannot wait for the final version of any game that I ever am a part of. Because <laughs> you don't do the art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine's uh, just like blank pieces of paper with words on them, icons when you need them. Nice. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Bare minimum. I'm super excited for the deluxe version because it's got like the miniatures it's got standees for the for the bad guys and mm-hmm. cards for the guns and everything. I'm just I'm blown away by how uh, much into detail they went with it and how much how many extras there are with it. Yeah, yeah. When asked like what parts of this can be deluxe, they were like, "Well, I was like, you could have obviously like a GM screen. You could have like a custom set of dice. You could have." cards like a a board for or a mat or whatever for uh the maps and stuff and you could obviously have minis if you wanted uh and they're like yeah we're uh, we're gonna do all that and i was like well what (laughs) (laughs) you're like i'm just listing options yeah (laughs) they're like yeah we're doing everything it's all of it (laughs) oh that is awesome yeah they you guys went all out has there been a, any updates on when it's coming out? Um, as of as of time of recording, there's supposed to be some news within the next week or so, I would think. So okay. there should be should be an update coming, hopefully soon. But this is uh, we're waiting on an update from a third party. So once we get it, we'll you'll get it. I guess is that is what we'll say. <laughs> hopefully this week or next week you can hear something. so i know that when we started our bonus episodes of bunkers and badasses they they did an update well christy came and commented actually on something that i posted and said like we're hoping for a couple months like within a couple months we're just as frustrated as you guys you know type of Mm -hmm. thing because it's not your guys's fault yeah yeah this is all just the the times as as they are and in making games everyone seems to be having uh similar issues and so we 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 were not immune to them with with the production of this game so exactly and i think you guys went above and beyond by sending out the demo and i was like oh my gosh this is incredible this is a chunk of the book yeah, I mean, it, it literally is a, ch- a chunk of the book and uh, additional sections written or like written and edited by me so that you would have all of the rules 
mostly all of the rules that mostly you needed to, 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 run, to run the game. I realized after sending it out uh, that I had to update a couple of things in the threads so that people knew a couple of factors that I, I might not have added. <laughs> well, let's wrap up the main chunk of this interview stuff with plugging anything you're working on. I know you've got a couple of games that are coming out you know, relatively soon-ish. Yeah, uh, obviously look for Wonderland's War in stores if you didn't already pre-order it. It's a, it's going to be a big, massive box full of awesome stuff with art by Manny Tremblay, uh, designed by myself and Tim and Ben Eisner. So yeah, so look for that to be on shelves soon. You, it won't, it'll be hard to miss because it's going to be a very, very big, like very cube-shaped box full of a ton of great stuff. I worked on an expansion for a game called Vault Wars, uh, which was originally designed by John Gilmore. And then he was like, I really loved the game. So when the opportunity for an expansion came up, uh, I jumped at the opportunity to be a part of it. So that was just on Kickstarter. So I assume that will be coming out soon. Vault Wars is like a auction bidding game where you're auctioning off the vaults of heroes that never returned. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of like a storage wars yeah and the the, ex- the expansion exactly like storage wars actually like specifically the fantasy version of story storage perfect wars. it's called relic roadshow as your expansion isn't it yep and now that shows off like aspiring villains and how they get their goods which is through the relic roadshow <laughs> love it <laughs> and uh i now am a full-time game designer for nerdvana games um who obviously made bunkers and badasses with help from leader games who i cannot praise both parties enough that was fantastic to work with on all fronts and so you will hopefully be seeing more things from me from them <laughs> from from nerdvana games so love it i don't know if we'll take this out if you can't say anything but are they doing things beyond borderlands or gearbox series um yes <laughs> current projects we're working on are going to be our own to begin with because we uh we, we, we now have everyone in-house and working out of the same office, so we're trying to see Ooh. what a Nirvana Games original game looks like next. Lovely. And which we are looking for playtesters for. So that's the thing I was going to mention before. Um, we are hopefully opening up mass playtesting soon for our newer for our newest project. So if you would like to be a part of that, check out nerdvanagames.com and there should be some update about it in the newsletter when this comes out. If not, sign up for the newsletter and you'll be you'll get instructions on how to maybe test our upcoming games. For, and I'll put the link to that all in the show notes so you can just check the show notes too and and I'll link right to it. Perfect. Your Twitter Oh yeah, I am on Twitter. Uh, if you want sporadic updates of uh, n- not great consequence, uh, <laughs> at chaos underscore moss, uh-huh. you can find me there. Uh, you can see what I back on Kickstarter, which is too much stuff. <laughs> it's all research, right? Yeah, it is. Wink. It's all write it all off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the dream. That's why I started a podcast that kind of, I mean, this focuses more on the people than the board games, but, Mm -hmm. but I can totally justify writing off, off uh, board games for this. (laughs) Right. And then if I go see movies, who knows? It might be something to do with a game I make in the future. So that's obviously a write-off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Playing Borderlands a bunch turned out to be research. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple hundred bucks there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's play Ridiculous Theme, where we come up with a ridiculous theme for a board game and and just laugh at ourselves for what stupid, weird idea we we come up with. <laughs> or or just stare off into space in admiration of how brilliant this idea actually is yeah the next big thing yeah people just aren't ready <laughs> uh did you come up with one? Oh, oh yeah that's something that's supposed to be going on in the back of my mind the whole time i know uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't it's uh, not like we talked about anything how about <sighs> for me i've got office manager you could, you just have to run an office. It's almost like a worker placement, resource management, very mundane theme. But it's like, it's more emphasis on the worker and management, right? Yes. <laughs> of those two things. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, there's things to be copied. Uh, Facts. Collated. <laughs> Co- yeah. Stapled. <laughs> You got to get a nice stapler. I always want there to be like a, I don't know if there's a game or a mechanic where you, you know, you are trying to get it like dead on on something like you're like a stapler and you have to get it like right on the, like right where it's supposed to be. (laughs) And like, there's angles of degree of difficulty, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, ah, you're like four degrees away from having stapled that correctly. Oh my goodness. Sorry. (laughs) We have to let you go. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's almost like a pin the tail on the donkey, but higher stakes. <laughs> yeah. The professional version of pin the tail on the donkey. Staple the important tax document. <laughs> right. That's what adults do, right? Taxes. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's what I've heard. I've, I've seen a couple movies. I think that's what happens. <laughs> Uh, don't get audited could be another ridiculous thing. Oh man, I'm on one today. <laughs> yeah. You try and sneak in things to get like uh, deductions. But if you sneak in oh, yeah. too many, if you push, it's a push your luck game. <laughs> so it's, yeah. So you're, it's basically the sheriff of Nottingham, but uh, you're sneaking in like tax deductions for things that you normally wouldn't get to tax deductions for. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I, sorry. I thought that wakeboard was deductible. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I bought it while I was at work. I bought it from my work computer. <laughs> <laughs> I got on Amazon business. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I guess, I guess I did think of one just now. And I guess it's a, it's a, it's a riff off of my first ever theme that I ever made which was a rock tour. But in this case, instead of being the rock band itself, you're going to be the manager and your entire job is to just stop them from getting 
booked in gigs because you you just do not want to do your job anymore. <laughs> like you want to you want to go fired? back to, you want to go back yeah you want to go back to your office life <laughs> where all you had to do is staple papers together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that. And now you're managing fine. a band, <laughs> so you're trying to sabotage them as they're on stage and have them have terrible shows, <laughs> uh, so that you can hopefully go back to your nine to five and stop having to ride around in a van with all their gear. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And if you get Beastie Boys, you could call the game Sabotage and have it be your the Beastie Boys <laughs> manager. <laughs> oh, that's the dream. That's the dream IP for that one. <laughs> oh. And then you could have expansions of other bands and <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I am so excited for Bunkers and Badasses. We are going to be doing a full new podcast dedicated to playing it. You can follow that at FF Adventure Co. It's going to be called Friends and Foes Adventure Company. And that'll come out whenever the full game comes out. We'll we'll start making our characters and start recording as soon as possible. I've already got some of the story written. If you're interested in buying it, you can pre-order it now at nirvanagames.com. And if you do, just like Ian said, you could email their support and and ask if you could get a copy of the demo of that sample first mission of the game or a quest of the game. It is a lot of fun. You can go play Wonderland's War right now on Tabletop Simulator. Just check the show notes and I will have a link to it there. And and you get to play it before it's even out. So exciting. Go do it. Coming up next month, August 28th, is Protocon Online. It's an online playtesting event. And you can sign up. You can check the show notes and I'll have a link to the Discord for that. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I actually had my game in there last event. It was called Protosynthesis at the time, but we changed the name to match with the in-person event that that the board game of the board game designers guild of Utah hosts in January. You could go follow and see some samples of some of the games coming at BGDG of Utah on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at NerdOutWithUs. If there's a guest that you would like to have come on the show, you or someone you know or someone you would like to know, you can at me or tweet at me on Twitter, DM me, or you can email me, theboardgamecommunityshow at gmail.com. I am happy to have anyone in the community on. I just love talking to people and getting to know people. As of the night before this episode comes out, there has been no update yet on when Bunkers and Badasses will come out or or any recent news. Uh, Hopefully in the next week or two, they'll hear something. I'll retweet it as soon as I hear, or I might even update in the newest episode after it comes out because I'm very excited. All right, until next time, keep nerding out.